on this Sunday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we have no guest. It's just us three talking general geekery. Uh, with me, we have uh, John Joe Cosgrove. Hey, everyone. And Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. So, gents, no guests tonight. Um, that's odd. <laughs> so we've got to make up the content ourselves. Yeah, no, we, got, we have to. We have to talk ourselves. What's what's going well, on? We don't normally talk. We yeah. don't normally talk with each other. That's what we have the guest for. It's like a mediator. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be weird. Yeah, that's odd. We have to yeah, think of things to talk about, and yeah, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. Um, right. So, um, what what have you guys been up to since last we spoke? What's 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 going on? What's going down? I think. Oh, okay. Go on. I'll go very quickly. Um, so I mentioned it just before we started recording. I won't give any spoilers, but I have watched the Suicide Squad. Uh, the UK, for some reason, we do seem to get some of these uh, superhero films early compared to the rest of the world. And I've got to say, anyone who was a bit apprehensive about the Suicide Squad, if you weren't a big fan of the 2016 version, if you were unsure of the dc film schedule as a as a whole you've got nothing to worry about it is probably the best dc film that has come from this uh extended universe definitely that's the best not, thing hard. done you weren't supposed to just say that though i know i know it's true but come on <laughs> um me um, <laughs> yeah um he don't care um Definitely the best James Gunn film by far. Um, fantastic soundtrack, excellent acting, In- including Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, do you know what? And I, I had to argue this with a friend last night as well. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. It's still one of my favourite, not just favourite Marvel films, but one of my favourite films of all time. And I actually think this has topped it because you know where Guardians of the Galaxy it took this random assortment of characters and you know it just it just took off. James Gunn has basically took that formula and he has perfected what was already near perfection. And if you come out of the cinema thinking, my God, why do I care so much about a near immortal shark man and a guy who can shoot polka dots out of his arms? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's ever, you know, like when you think about Guardians of the Galaxy, you go, Oh, I really care for this lump of wood. And it's like, yeah okay um, but yeah th- 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 i don't know what it is just this movie I, I as i was watching it i was gripped it was fun it was silly it was quite serious quite dark upsetting in a few places and just a spectacle and it it really just felt like this is james gunn when he can just do like anything you know they basically said to him you know have anyone on the team that you want on the team Kill off anyone that you want to kill off. You can have anyone as your villain. You can set it anywhere you want. You can basically do whatever the fuck you like. Here you go. Here's a blank checkbook. Just put in whatever you think you need. Done. And with that, I honestly believe this has got to be one of the best films for, well, like I said, one of the best films from James Gunn and definitely the best film of 2021. Oh, high praise indeed. Yeah. And do you know what? I've loved some of the films from this year so far. Um, but yes, this is definitely a must-see. If you are not a comic book fan, I don't even think you really have to have that much knowledge on comic books. You can just go into this one because it feels like a good old war movie in some places as well. The, the humour is just excellent. And the acting from people that 
you know, you don't suspect to be a great actor. Um, John Cena, who is in this film, he is just marvellous. And I never would have thought I could enjoy a John Cena performance as much as I did this. Um, you know, Idris Elba is just, it's just excellent. Margot Robbie is just, you know, an absolute charm as Harley Quinn as usual. Um, but like I say, if you, whenever you get the chance, watch this movie, you will not be disappointed. You'll probably spend half the time thinking, what the F is basically going on? But I think that is the point. You're supposed to just go into this film, have a good time. And truly, this is what the DC universe should have been doing from the very beginning. It should have been taking risks. It should have been letting their creative team basically be creative, do something off the wall and insane and basically show Marvel, yes, we can actually do something different. We can do something that stands out and we can actually make something that is unique. Well, and that is the Suicide Squad. The I've got two two things I've got to say. One, um, yeah. is there any, without spoilers, is there any sort of kind of uh, Easter eggy type things or, 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 or sort of kind of cameos that sort of sort of play into the universe? Um, do you know what? I wouldn't say so much about um, cameos. I mean, there are returning characters from the first Suicide Squad film. Yeah. So Captain Boomerang. We've got, we've got yeah, Captain Boomerang, Rick Flag, Flag yeah. Harley Quinn, and um, yeah, is this a remake yeah. or a sequel? It's technically a sequel. Now, it just ignores. This is very weird. There is acknowledgement to the first film in a couple of places. But it's basically like very little, just a couple of little interactions near the beginning of the film, and then it's kind of like, yeah, just get on with it. That's a, you just you just do, just do as you need. Uh, yeah. Okay. And is basically is this basically uh, DC finally doing a, uh, a Marvel film? Do you know what I I, I really had to think about that. Um, I I honestly believe. What James Gunn has done with this, he's made this so it's it's almost like a one and done. So if this was the only DC film you were to watch, you wouldn't have to see anything beforehand and you wouldn't really have to see anything after. Not to say that there is no future with this either at all. Um, and anyone who has been following the rumblings from HBO Max, there is a TV series coming out in January that she has John Cena playing the Peacemaker again. Um, and yeah, if the show can be anything like what the film has been, that'll definitely be a, a must watch as well. But no, I don't think this is in any way a Marvel movie hidden in DC. I honestly feel this is, this is basically DC getting their own stride. And if they could say, the only other film I think that actually had that and again, I think that was probably more a Marvel film in disguise, was Shazam. That was one of the only other DC films that I went, this actually feels different and fresh. Thing is, at the I, same time, I like Shazam, but it yeah. did feel too much like a Marvel film for me. It was just yeah. like, you know, I, I, as much as sort of like the DC films have um, been questionable, in some of them, I still, I still say like Man of Steel. I fucking love that film, and you know the new Justice League, the Snyder Cut was really good. I enjoyed that immensely and stuff. I really, I really did. But um, I, I like that they've got a different, ed- they've got more of an edge to them. Them just going all Marvel and going all comical and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's good because you know everybody likes a comical film. But it, for me, it's not really DC. It needs to be slightly edgier. 
Um, that brings me on to the point that at the last Suicide Squad, um, the director whose name escapes me now. David uh, Ayer. Yeah. He's now sort of kind of saying, look, they didn't let me do the film that I wanted to do. Um, the, 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 the studio basically cut it just like, you know, like Snyder and stuff. They, they, they basically added in a load of cuts and he wanted his version. Um, and apparently James Gunn, um, sort of, uh, stood up, uh, for him, uh, and said, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, it's not just, um, Dave Dyer, is it? And Zack Snyder and not just DC. There's been so many stories of the creative control being taken away or a, a certain filmmaker's vision being changed. Um, biggest example, probably in recent years, Josh Trank, when he made the Fantastic Four reboot. Um, now, I remember seeing the first trailer for that, and I honestly felt quite excited for it. It looked good. It looked quite exciting. And then I remember when the film did eventually come out, I walked out the cinema, and I just thought, that was just such fucking stupid <laughs> shit. I, I just really you know, hated that movie. You know what's really annoys <laughs> me about that Fantastic Four film is that we got, when it before it came out, we managed to get a scoop on some... Um, some uh scenes from the film uh before mm. it being released people somebody had taken some photographs you know with you know obviously illegally <laughs> and they ended up in our possession and uh and, and we sort of uh posted them uh and then legal and we got like like lawyers from warner brothers and stuff like emailing me and stuff and like i got i i was in, i was told to take them down um and then i had to alter them so they weren't sort of original photographs so i could keep them up it was all sort of kind of all kinds of and i had this guy asking me you know where i got them from and you know and how did how did they get them and blah 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 and, and i was just like look i'm not telling you anything you know we just got them there that's sort of you know i love squealer yeah i'm just you know this it they're all online but it was so much grief over it and then for them to turn it for the film to be a fucking you know shit show which <laughs> is like that was totally not worth it but i remember when um the film first came out josh Trank put this a lovely message out to say i'm really sorry you're not going to get to see the version of the film that i came up <clears> with a year ago i had what was probably the perfect Fantastic Four movie, but now the studio got involved and they've done this. They've taken control away from me. And it's when you can see, even in the same shots, um, was it Kate Mara? You see that she's actually wearing two different wigs. Um, it's not even like they tried to mask it or anything. There's one shot when her hair's all tied back and then the next one is when her hair's all down. It's two different shades of blonde as well. So it's, it's very weird, very off-putting. And even, even probably more obvious, they had a massive change for Victor Von Doom because he was going to be called Victor Domajev. And uh, he was going to be, you know, just a different guy. He was going to be a completely different character. Um, and then they went, no, no, we have to have Victor Von Doom. So they did this uh, very terrible rewrite, reshot about 60% of the movie, uh, added in all these stupidly unnecessary special effects to create bits of on doom and uh yeah that was um gr- great choice great choice 20th century fox um yeah <laughs> but then you know ha- I- i've got to say one of my other favorite ones was um do you guys remember the 
2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, the guy from Prison Break, he was supposed to have been Shredder originally. And so many people, um, I can't remember his name, but he was also the, the guy at the beginning of um, The Dark Knight. You know, the one that has the grenades. I, I can't remember his name, but he's such a good actor. And I feel so bad, I can't think of his name. But um, he was originally going to be Shredder and he was going to be, you know, all suited up and everything by the end of the film. And when that got out, people went, no, this is an absolute travesty. You can't have a white actor playing Shredder. And, you know, this was when, you know, people were saying, you know, if the character was of a certain origin, keep him as a certain origin. And that's understandable. So what did what did they do? Did they delay the film and think, OK, let's rethink our strategy. Let's get someone in someone of quite high caliber. No, they just got some very near nobody actor to play Shredder. Just hide him in the background. Some of the shots terribly um, add him in digitally in some scenes and just get him doing some very random voiceovers making no sense to the plot. And then all of a sudden they just went, yeah, that's the Shredder. And in the next film, they got a different actor altogether. And they went, yeah, we, fa- we had a bit of time there. And this guy's about 20 years younger than the Shredder that we did have. He's got hair, he's got goatee and everything. Oh yeah, that'll do. No one will notice. Um, but, oh my God. You know, studio interference, I think is now, it's been so evident that I think now some of these companies, like some of these production companies are going, right, actually, why don't we just let these people make the film that we've hired them to do. And you see it, you know, the Snyder Cut was one of the best examples. That, I think, has had such a massive impact on cinema going forward because you've got someone who had their original vision and, you know, it's not a perfect film by any means, but it is a lot better. <laughs> it's, it's more exciting and it was just a much a much more enjoyable movie. Pope and hopefully... It- Pete disagrees. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter. It was Peter, way Peter. too long. Basically, no, it wasn't. You need an editor to cut down no. all that bloody slow mo, all those lo- slow panning shots. It just needed to condense it down to make it a faster snip, snip but, movie, and just make it not. It didn't need all those kind of slow mo. Literally, half the film was slow motion. Really it, was. If you cut out all the whole, it'd be a much faster, denser. It just weren't twiddling your thumbs half the time, would you? Why? What's going to happen? There were, yeah. there were, there were some odd things, and and yeah, fine. There was a odd. lot of, there was a lot odd. of slow, slow, <laughs> slow mo things, and I don't, don't think the music sort of it was a bit random at parts. But I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it built up really well, and I thought it ended really well and stuff. And it's like I thought it was a, you know, um a great improvement on um, the original one. And I kind of hope, wish they sort of would go on with it. Cause I want, I still want to see, um, I, I still want to see uh, Ben Affleck as Batman and stuff. It just sort of annoys me that, you know, he's not going to be Batman. Batman was good. The complete like final segment in the future, uh, was just weird. Now I like weird, but that was that's not a conclusion. That is the next chapter of the of the following film, which they're hoping might be made. Otherwise, it's an even bigger cliffhanger that doesn't need to be there. It was an absolutely unnecessary. I mean, you could have had that as literally a sixty seconds mid. Yeah, uh, but I think it's exactly it was there for the whole sort of like this is the worm on the hook look what you could have if you let me carry on sort of thing and i think he just threw that in it's like yeah but that should not be part of the film that thinking shouldn't did not come into the story 
it's necessary that it was a production and it, um, tease. It was not story tease. Yeah, no, but it, it, I know, but it, it it's something that it whetted people's appetites, and I think it didn't matter if it made any sense or not, or it it could it have been something that makes sense because it's part of the film. It's like you know, beginning, middle, and end. No, but yeah, if, you're, if you're if you're if you're uh, if you're a director who's trying to sell his wares and, and a vision that was taken from you, and you had a chance to throw something in just so you could go right this is what you could have if you did this then you would i'm like yeah i would do the same it's just like fine it it's completely random fire it, it it's got sort of some sort of set 20 minutes long now i had to go back to the other but i'm gonna drop this in marvel did that with iron man the first iron man film they had literally 60 seconds of um tony stark meeting uh nick fury and that was it it was like basically a little teaser, but it didn't uh, drag you out of the main story because it felt like an ending as part of that little clip. But it it wasn't like fifteen minutes of build up, build up, build up, and right, right that's the end of the film. Mm. It was just sixty seconds. That's all I, you needed to do. I would say that the only difference in that is, um, like we're saying, with Justice League, this was Zack Snyder saying, you know, this is what we could have had, and I think he had to kind of milk it because it was like well you know this is this is what wb didn't want me to make so hey i'm just gonna rub your face in it whereas with marvel Again. their idea was like just sowing that seed it was like a hmm, do you know what we made a comic book that actually had nick fury look like samuel jackson can we get samuel jackson for an afternoon put a leather jacket on him and an eye patch we can okay let's do that and that was it i think they, they had no real intention of taking that any further they just wanted to go, okay, let's just throw it in. If it works, I'm sure we can do a yeah. contract with him. And it did. That, yeah, that makes a lot more sense than, you know, because it should not have, like, you know, the stack cider kind of scene where I can see what you could have. No, I want the story. I don't want the possibilities of what might have been. I do not want you rubbing the nose in front, in front of everyone else because that makes, that's not part of the story. The story is ends when, yay, we finish, not another 15 minutes of them bobbing off in the future for no apparent reason. Mm. But I don't know. But then again, I don't think this is anything new. There are so many films that have done that before, not to the extent of Justice League, but if you think of how many films that they knew that there should have been another part or something that they were going to make or whatever. I mean, even like, you know, Back to the Future 2. One of my friends said to me, the one thing he really hates is that cliffhanger when... You know, when the like the DeLorean disappears, but all of a sudden you have the guy come over with the with the telegram from eighteen eighty five. And he actually said to me, I really hate that part because what if they never actually made Back to the Future Free? And I went, That's kind of the reason why they did make it, because they knew they were gonna have Back to the Future Free. Mm. And I said, That is such a great part because that's that gets you excited for the sequel, that gets you motivated for what's about to come. They're about to go into the past, they're about to go into you know, into the Wild West. How could you not like that? Yeah, but again, uh, it's all part of like sowing the seeds of the future in, yeah. into the existing narrative, not tacking on another 15 minutes to, to the end of the film, which is what um, Snack Sider did. And it was necessary. It was the end had finished. The film had finished about uh, 20 minutes ago. Depends on what I, th- I would say. It depends on your, your your definition of necessary. It might not be necessary for, for you as a, as well, a film I'm, goer. I'm be, well, I'm basically from, coming from the point of a narrative in the story, beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Not I, beginning, I, middle, end, beginning. I would say, you know, I it, it didn't bother me. 
Um, you know, you're fine. It was slightly random, but it, you know, it didn't bother me. I liked to sort of see random stuff, and you know, just having Martian, Martian Manhunter at the end was pretty awesome. Um, but you know, for him, I can completely understand why he did it because it it was literally just a case of I want to get these other films made, or so you know, at least there be something to sort of people to appreciate what my vision was. So I've got mm. the chance, I've got the money, I've got this sort of chance to do this. Let's do it. Let's fire it in there, and you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, for it doesn't yeah. matter if it uh, sort of doesn't. Matter. As much as I really enjoyed that, that's still one of the things that really annoys me. That all right, they brought in Martian Manhunter. And it's just like, you know, he appears after the world is nearly ended, you know, everything's like, yeah. it's like, yes, well, I now feel inspired to help you guys. Let me know if there's anything I can do the next time there's a, a massive danger in the world nearly ends. Yes. Um, but again, we come back to the fact that, like, I had no, I don't read DC Comics that much, other than the occasional Batman. And I was going, who is that dude? I had no clue as to who he was. I was going, and like, we had no introduction to that character. And it's like, who is he? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but you could say that about any character, you know. No, <laughs> yeah, but, but in that film, you're all introduced in turn. But this kind of whole kind of 15 minutes, just dropped in a lot of characters that we had never met before. Or were never really introduced. And then just meant to go with it. Which mm. for 15 minutes is a bit incongruous. Wow. <laughs> big words coming out now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not the big guns. Oh. Um, and um, I'll yeah. just, I was just going to say, before we come off of the whole Justice League thing, um, because, you know, we're probably not going to get Justice League 2, that's quite obvious, but we still got films for Aquaman that's going to be coming up um, with Jason Momoa, still going to be getting a third Wonder Woman um, with Gal Gadot. Still not seeing the second one, though. I still not seen it, yeah. I, I just kept yeah, hearing bad things about it, and I'm just like, oh, did I watch this or not? Because <laughs> I, I got told that it was very... Um, it's 80s. Like very, well, not eight. It's not 80s. Is the problem? Um, it's it's kind of what came. <laughs> it's kind of what came up with um with the Black Widow film. People are saying that there is a lot of man hate in it. It's like, why has this become a theme all of a sudden? This is very strange. I would not say there was man hate in the Black Widow film. No, it was very female. It was very much female pan, but it was not man hate. I would say. Yeah. That's that's what I thought, and I wouldn't have said it was man hate. But there is obviously, you know, even like with the uh, Masters of the Universe cartoon that's just came on, um, a lot of people accusing Kevin Smith of man hate in that. It's like, so what? Yeah, what's the what? What's been the shit with that? Because people have been kicking okay. off. Um, I've not watched it, but I know, it, but I've heard what happens. Mm. And if you want, I can spoil a very big uh, spoil a very big twist. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm happy enough to spoil it. So anybody else who's listening to this, anybody else? Oh, I've, I've watched it. Anybody who's okay. listening so to it, spoiler alert. In the first episode. Say it again? The kill off He-Man. The kill him off? Yes. Yeah. So it's no longer He-Man the Masters Universe, it's just the Masters Universe. Which is, I feel, a really odd choice, given that he's the main character of the entire franchise. Now, I'm missing they've done that before with other uh, franchises. That's happened before, and that's no mm-hmm. But it feels odd. Mm. It was. That... It was a very weird choice. Yeah. Well, wait, and... So wait a minute. He's not in any of the any of the. Other... Wow, that's that is kind of odd. He's not. He's not not in it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But yeah, he's definitely killed off in episode one. Yeah. Well, 
that's that is yep. very very odd is she it's ran cool. it is she ran it uh spoilers <laughs> well you spoiled this already you might as <laughs> let's well just say, let's just say um tina becomes like the main character um going forward she's basically leading the um leading the party yeah and as what um mr josh varney actually said to me it feels like that they go on a raid quest basically you know that they've they've got a mission they've got they've got a journey to go on and that is it and she is the the, the leader of the raid party wow that's yeah. fucking that's mad you know yeah that, that's 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 pretty bold uh, to be honest I, I not that i i have no issue with um, strong female characters and stuff, but you know, He Man's He Man, and if you kill He Man off, you're like, yeah, this, when you kill uh, a female character in what? an entire franchise, it's a bit. It's like odd. having yeah, Superman but... without Superman and then doing like but, yeah, but, fucking like Olsen but, or something. You're like, uh, now, admittedly, they have killed off Superman and done the whole death of Superman arc and like the, the legacy of Superman and what it meant. Yeah. But I'm not convinced that they do that. So they follow that path in the He-Man um, sequel. That's mad. That's fucking. That's that's some serious Game of Thrones shit right there, man. That's like. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's insane. It, oh, I'm gonna have to watch it's it. Now. One, it's one of them things that when you see it, like that first when you get to that first episode, uh, you know, for for however many years you could have watched He-Man and the Masters Universe in the eighties, how much you may have thought what happened in that show that one episode basically just takes it and goes uh yep let's flip that over everything you thought you know you don't know fuck it just just carry on as fast as you can um but it was one of them things that when i watched it because uh, i tried to avoid spoilers for it and i had to watch at least the first episode straight away and i got to in that first episode i was like yeah <laughs> what the hell have you done uh, yeah. As much as it was such a shocker, I went, Joel, what? That is such a good move because no it one does, was ever yeah. predicted that you kill off your main character in the first twenty minutes of a new series about said character. And it, yeah, well, and it also creates yeah, and also creates a lot of options movie. for um, the other characters to kind of come to the fore and gives them a lot of more narrative flexibility that he didn't have if you had some of the main characters. So I can see why, but it still feels mm. a bit odd. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, like, I, I just thought it was like there was lots of, you know, there was too many women characters in it or something and all the, all the fucking neckbeards were sort of kicking off because there was women, women, ooh, angry <laughs> and, and stuff, but I didn't realise it fucking killed off E-Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, you know, that's nothing to do with sort of, you know, being sexist. This is like he's the main guy, <laughs> so it's like, what yeah. The f- yeah. But, but we all know what the internet's like. It's such a weird place, and people only need one thing to to get pissy about, and then you know that's it. And then they do review bombing and all this other shit to try and make a point. Bastards. Fucking <laughs> hell, man. That's uh, wow. I am. I am. Yeah. I am. I am aghast. I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad I was pre-warned now because I think that might have upset me slightly. Just remember, it is. I mean, there is more episodes coming up in the next few months, but it is only five episodes, and so you'll get through them in about two hours. So it's quite a short watch, but it is definitely worth it, honestly. Yeah, I guess. 
I, I, oh, I don't know. I'll not ask that question because I might get the, the answer I don't want. Um, <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just leave it as it is. Um, yeah, wow, that's that's a that's a huge shock. That's insane. Yeah. That's mad. That, that's, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's sort of kind of done that sort of thing. Um, um, there, I've got one. Superman. Uh, yeah, well. Superman as well. Yeah, well, it, um, but then he comes back yeah, several yeah. times. So yeah. <laughs> Just, do you remember? We're going back to like the mid to late noughties now. Um, Robin Hood TV series on yeah. BBC One because yeah, I they. That. The end of season two, they killed off Maid Marian because that was obviously needed for some reason. And at the end of series three, they killed off Robin Hood. And the idea that the BBC actually thought they could continue with a series four and actually have the legacy of Robin Hood live with no Maid Marian or Robin Hood. <laughs> that was actually quite interesting the way they did it because they had um, the estranged brother come in and and busy take and it wasn't so much Robin Hood was not so much a person it was more of a mantle and a title of responsibility and it was basically can this new person live up to the responsibilities of his forebear so that was quite interesting to watch but just bear with me one minute my dog's barking breath one okay but it was a very <laughs> bold decision by the BBC to kill off both Maid Marion and Robin Hood and it wasn't just that as well. You think they also killed off Guy of Gisborne as well. Yeah. So um, that was done. And um, they killed off John as well. So, But then um, again, I mean, one of the things about that Ian Martin series, and it's just a great um, series, Robin and Sherwood, um, is what they kind of really embedded the, of the historical nature of the show, where basically, yeah, people are going to get hurt. We do not have the NHS that we do now. We don't have the medical technology that we have now. So if someone gets you know, a, a decent wound, they're probably going to get affected and they're going to die. So yeah. basically having somehow someone survive for four seasons without a scratch and still be good would be pushing the realms of possibility. But again, having yeah. someone die and then be replaced by someone else who takes on the mantle of Robin Hood. That, yeah, yeah, we... Yeah, there's been loads of shows that have done that, you know. Yeah. And like you say, because it, it's a mantle more than a person. So there was that idea. And I, you know, I did see what the BBC were going for when they said, yeah, we're looking at developing Series 4. And um, the only thing is, is that I think Robin Hood had lost such a lot of steam by the time Season 3 had actually began, that by the time it got to its end, there was, like I think, only one and a half million people watching yeah. it. Whereas the first episode of Series 1, or something like eight million. So, you know, if that was watching the show, mm. you've already killed off half of your main cast. They're like, um, we're not going to probably get any new viewers. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, uh, let's just pull the plug. That's dumb. Well, yeah, but that reminds me. Um, Into the Badlands, whilst it didn't go to such a drastic element of killing off the cast, when they finally had an end date the gloves really came off the writing team and they went from like holding pattern to into let's just go bonkers. Mm. And that worked, and that worked out quite well because like, hey, we don't have to, we don't have to kind of keep things in, at the status quo. We can now start ramping things up to the end game. And that was quite a you know, satisfying ending. But I think that's it. This is the difference between shows that, have no real plan, yeah. and then you have the ones that have a like what they call like the five season plan for a majority of them. There, the, they say any show, yeah, 
any show you pitch, you've got to have a five season plan now. And uh, I get that. And yeah. one of my shows that I really did enjoy at the time when it was first on was Supernatural. And you could tell that was a five season plan straight away. You knew where it was going to begin. They knew where it was going to finish. But unfortunately, because it was such a popular show, they kept it going for another 10 years afterwards. And they went, yeah, we've um, so they've been to hell and back, both of them. Uh, we've killed them both off multiple times. We've had them face every single demon that's possible. What can we do for another 10 years? Do it again, I guess. Um, let's well, introduce yeah. Purgatory. Let's uh, introduce some other demons. Let's bring back, you know, the devil as a kind of anti-hero for some reason. And, uh, yeah, it just went really yeah. crazy. The opposite of that, of course, is Battlestar Galactica, the remake from 2008, where they patently did not have a series bible at all um well after season three season uh, season four and five were just fucking abysmal well well, there wasn't a series i mean there was series four and series four and a half but basically first season perfection second season brilliant third season until about midway through very good and then you start to realize when when they had to kind of tie things in together it's like no. I think they had the writer's strike uh, pretty close on. That, then. Yeah, literally, I think midway through season four, you had the writer's strike, which kind of added. But again, it wasn't that kind of had created additional issues. But I think I think one of the things Ronald D. Moore has said, the creator of Buzz Lactic, is like they didn't really have a series Bible. They just wanted to keep things flexible and fluid and be very intuitive. And while some points it did work, but other points it just didn't. I don't like the note. Never really explained uh, Cara Frace. Starbuck coming back very good, then other than good, huh, she's an angel. Okay. And then the ending of, yeah, we're going to ditch technology and hump the ne- Neanderthals. Yeah, I don't, I've never been so let down for a series finale ever <laughs> yeah. in my entire life. I was just like, I watched that and I just went, what the actual fuck? It's like you've just gone, mm, yeah, there, there, let's do that. And you know what? Yeah. We're the gods because uh, we're all named after Greek gods. So we're actually the gods that these people will worship. And there we go. We'll give them we'll give mm. them technology and make them better and blah, blah. It's just... I think realistically and boldly, they should have just ended Bastard Galactica at the, at the mid-season finale of season four. Where basically they get to what they think is Earth, and it's basically just a nuke, uh, nuke yeah, yeah. designated wasteland, and that slow panning shot, and then going, well, shit, just have <laughs> yeah. to have it end, mm. and just they have think... that other than having another ten episodes and going, oh well, is me, oh dear, what do we do? No, just have it end there. That would be far, far better. The thing is, when people, when you say I... like. I, I know I'm, I'm the same. It's just like, you should just end things here and do that. But it's like, as soon as you do something like that, there's that expectation of, oh my God, you need to carry this on. That was great. And then there's this sort of, if you don't do, if you don't live up I to would that hype. end on the high point, then kind of have a dwindling return, which is what happened with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It got I really preachy I... and Bible bashy and it just sort of got sort of like... The ending was just purr, like really bad. I was just not impressed at all. I was so annoyed as well because I loved it. And then it was just it was, like... It was incredibly self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, just on a random note, by the way, I'm currently watching uh, Deep Space Nine, which I, you know, I, I never fully oh. watched when I was saying it. And I'm just not enjoying it. It's just like, no? it's just, it's not doing anything for me. It's I'm like, shocked. it's just like, I'm going through it. I've got, I've 
three a fair what, few what, of them at the start. What are you up to? What, uh, I'm, uh, I'm on season one at the minute, but it's just like... Uh, it's, that's the Star Trek plague. Yeah. It's just sort of because obviously they they started it when generations was still going and stuff. Hence why there was sort of and I kind of like the way there's you know there's integrations with generations and stuff like that. Um, but you no know, Cisco, you know as much I love, I love him. In, I love him in American History X, but I don't you know I just don't really kind of like his acting in this. And stuff. I, yeah, I give it like time. Yeah, my... I like people saying because it's because it's got overlapping. I think Deep Space, not just Deep Space Nine, but Voyager, they kind of felt like they were relying on, obviously, what came beforehand. And once you got to that season two, when it's off on its own two yeah. feet, once it's able to br- live and breathe, uh, Deep Space Nine, I absolutely love. But I do think the second half of the series is better than the first half because uh, it obviously got its own time. It managed to just get out there. Well, and, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's still time. Seven, seven seasons, though. You know, it's a lot of, TV still. Basically, um, when they started following Babylon 5's idea and going, hey, let's have this whole kind of season arc and let's kind of really invest, like, you know, start investing in that that's when it takes off. Uh, and also bring in, like, you know, an overarching nemesis to for the crew to face. That's when it starts really kicking off. And, yeah, it just the first season is a bit rough. It's fantastic design, some good ideas, but it it needed that first two seasons to really find its legs. And also, it has to find him, which is a brilliant ship. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. I'll keep on watching it, but it's just like, you know, I suppose with Next Generation, it was something I grew up with, so I, I, yeah. I sort of had sort of, you know, already nostalgic sort of views on it, but Deep Space Nine, which I sort of dip in and out of when yeah. I was younger, but I just never, it's yeah. just currently not doing very much for me. I'm sort of, I'm zoning in and out uh, when I'm sort of watching it and uh, I'm not uh, really What I think you should do is just Google a viewing order for Deep Space Nine and just pick out all the highlighted episodes or like plot heavy or like the really good ones and just do that rather than trying to trudge your way through all, the, all of them at the start because that would be a massive waste of time, frankly. Just really pick up the highlights, get the, get the arc um, critical ones and watch it that way because they used to skip a lot of chuff and a, a lot of unnecessary yeah, chat yeah. that packs out some Star Trek. Yeah, I did that. And the game with Voyager, I was on and off with that and stuff, so uh, I never really sort of... The thing with Voyager was they never delivered on their premise. They're meant to be like kind of a Federation starship way beyond Federation space in an uncharted area of the galaxy with limited resources... And how many times did they replace their shuttlecraft? How many shuttlecraft did the Voyager have? I mean, literally, they lost about a shuttle about every other episode. And still, they never, ever seemed to run out or fought on torpedoes. That's what a hell of a, like, you know, they just they never replicate them. The stuff. <laughs> they <laughs> they replicate the entire shuttle? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Usually, all about yeah. replicate is what? like a cup of tea, Earl Grey hot. What we see as finite resources compared to what, obviously, the Federation think of finite resources. Obviously, two very different things, you know. Um, oh, we've only got enough stuff to last another 30 years. Oh, yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> well, again, where did they put all the shuttles? Really? Where did they put all those bloody shuttles? <laughs> oh, they had a warehouse on the back. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, actually, uh, what, what we liked about Battlestar Galactica was that they kept a running tally of, of the survivors. So basically, if some people died in in an episode, those numbers were cut off, were chopped off at the start of the next one. 
right, to yeah. really give you like a sense of if people die, there is a major consequence other than hey, so, some uh, actors not getting his contract renewed. It's basically mm. no. The chances of this of that civilization dying it becomes that ever more likely. Have you watched? Uh, it's it's sort of sort of sci-fi. It's dystopia. Have you watched uh, Snowpiercer? No, I haven't actually. Yeah. I've I read the comic seen, books. I haven't seen anything beyond um, episode five of season one yet. Yeah, it's it's really I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's on it's on its season. Well, it's moving on to season three and stuff, but um, you know, I know there was a film, and apparently it was like really shit. But um, the the series is really good, really watchable and stuff. And um, second season's got Sean Bean in it, so you know, winner winner chicken dinner. So. He dies. He, <laughs> he, he doesn't actually die. Spoiler alert: He doesn't actually die in this one. What? He's just—he's just a bit of a shithead, which is sort of conflicting with me because you know I don't like Sean being a shithead. I... But uh, uh Joe, um, you know, saying a little bit earlier about the um, when the writers' strike was happening. If you look at some of the TV that was out at that time, um, I—I I think one of the most upsetting things to me was my favorite show at that time was Heroes. And that was when they had the very, very um, divisive season two. Because this was, they had such a massive plan for it because it was going to be in three chapters for the season. So you had the Generations, which is obviously about the, all the parents of the heroes and all the crimes that they basically committed now being inflicted, like the punishment being inflicted upon them and on the next generation. Then you were to have the Exodus, where basically they were just going to kill off so many of them with the virus that had been teased throughout that first chapter. And then you had the villains one, which then became part of season three, where they're going to go, yeah, do you know what? We've got just as many villains as we've got heroes. We're just going to have them have a full-out war with each other. When they announced that, I was really looking forward to it. When then when the writer's strike happened, they then right, went, right, okay, so we've done to episode 11. We're finishing this arc. Now, we filmed it where the virus is going to get out. But that means we're going to have probably nine to ten months before we have another episode on. And basically, NBC really just shat themselves and they just went, um, can we do a quick rewrite and say that the virus doesn't get out? But we, but our, our story, everything we've got going forward hinges on, you know, on the virus getting out, on these characters dying and how the world's going to react. I imagine how apt that would have been now to have had a season of TV like that with everything that's gone on in the last year and a half. But uh, yeah, they basically just went at the last minute, no, we can't have this, get someone in very quickly, rewrite that scene, reshoot that scene. And apparently they reshot that five days before it was to be... I don't know how true that is, but I do believe it when it comes to NBC's track record. About five days before it was due to air, they got someone very quickly who was not part of the writers' guild to quickly rewrite that scene, and just go, yeah, no virus, no, um, everything's good, the world is all okay, and then they just went, right, well, we've got a couple of tags we can use, we've got a couple of scenes that we weren't going to be used, let's just put them out there, we'll make an episode, we'll come back in September, hopefully we'll be all right, and I just think that was such a missed opportunity, and that was where Heroes just went from being one of the top TV shows to, yeah. We can't be bothered now. We've mm. we've we've shot ourselves in the foot. This is what we're left with. Yeah, such a. It's such very a hard to finish the the end series and stuff. I think. Um, 
and you know i think many many series sort of struggle to sort of get the ending right and stuff um sometimes the best endings are the ones where the, it's very abrupt like the ending for quantum leap i actually quite like because it just oh, sort yeah. of suddenly just goes he doesn't make his way home and it, it's there you, you know it was just one where they they had to sort of kind of improvise and actually worked quite well i thought uh, i can think um, of three seas three tv shows that had a fantastic ending Babylon five that was great uh, Orphan Black. That was really, really good. And that was written, that was structured for a first season and it ended and it was a really satisfying. And Person of Interest. Oh, I've not seen the ending of Person of Interest. Oh, so, 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 so good. It literally builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, and it just ends with a massive bang. Um, I'm not going to say what happens since I've not seen it, yeah. but yeah, it's very it's, satisfying. It's but I, I will just say very quickly, just talking about the, um, the writer's strike. I had a TV show that I really loved during the right strike. I've mentioned it before, and it is this one here, Journeyman. Okay, yeah. Now, this was this shouldn't have been any way near a good TV show because it was about a guy who travels back in time and he helps people, and then he sort of like, but he goes randomly back in time. He can't control it. Um, I remember when it was first advertised, I thought, this looks like utter shit. But when I started watching it, I loved it. I just couldn't stop watching it and this was a show that unfortunately suffered from the writer strike they got the mid-season finale well what was supposed to be in the mid-season finale shot and they said you know there's 13 episodes in the can we're all right if the figures are good next year we'll come back we'll do a full second season the few figures weren't good unfortunately but it was one of the ones that they did kind of write it so you could kind of leave it where it was and you could just go okay that's a that's a series. That's one and done. It was all right. It worked. Out. But I've rewatched that show, no lie, about four times. And I still really enjoy it because it has got that quantum leap feel to it. It's got a very um, little bit. It, and the only I'll say the only reason I've watched this is because I did it because I went on a date with someone. I watched the Time Traveler's Wife movie and I hated that. Um, but it's got a little bit of vibe to that as well. And just it's just a it's just a fun series it's it's got some very dark themes to it in some of the episodes it's it is well acted but like i say it's one of them shows that they just went okay um it did all right but we don't want to go any further and it's one of them ones that i always thought if they ever did say we've got all these tv shows what can we bring back journeyman would definitely be one of them the guy um what's the name of the car you showed us is it mckid is it what's his name uh what's the name kevin yeah now that that reminds me of another series there was a series on hbo and bbc called rome um a while back Uh, i loved it and there was two series of it and i thought that was quite a good sort of ending because they could have pushed it past where it was but the way they ended it um worked really well i thought and stuff so that was quite a good night it was it was a short you know two seasons um but it was an expensive season because you know there was quite a lot of sort of um stuff going on that's why they stopped it weren't it because it was just so costly for for all the sets and all the location shooting yeah yeah well it's they were doing like ancient roman stuff so it had to be pretty epic um but yeah it was was really good you know i i loved that series and he's he's very good on it um um what's the other fella he plays punisher as well uh and he was in he's in loads of things he's just walking dead right you're talking about ray stevenson yeah ray stevenson that's up yeah, 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 from um, Punisher Warzone. Yeah, yeah, they're all, all you know, both really good. Uh, you know, he was tight. Ty- um, 
I can't remember. He, he was Titus Pulu. Um, and the kid's character was... Uh, I've not watched it in ages. I can't remember his character, but I loved it. I thought it was amazing and stuff. And it was one of those first ones, which was like proper bloody and there was sex everywhere. And it was sort of kind of like a precursor to sort of kind of, you know, like Game of Thrones, I guess. Because, you know, it's pretty, it was pretty brutal. Um, mm. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Since the title of this is meant to be UKGE, um, I think we should maybe talk about Pete's uh, trip to UKGE. Um, I didn't make it this year, which is probably good for my wallet. Um, so, Pete, what were the highlights? What did, what did you see? Okay. Um, first off, it was great to be there. It didn't, I mean, the highlight was just actually being there. I mean, it sounds odd, like, hey, I went to you, but yeah, that was the high point to the atmosphere. That it's just great to see people in person and chat with them and just chat with the developers. Because, I mean, the thing with the UK Games Expo, it's not just a bunch of stores selling shit. You can buy a ton of stuff, and trust me, I did. But the focus is not on trade. It's not on trades. It is developers. It's creators. And that makes it vastly more interesting and dynamic than just like, a bunch of um, traders selling selling guff like the show master events um but yeah but the highlight for me um great to see nightfall games with slay industries and then new terminator role-playing game and stalker first role-playing game um they're doing some fantastic stuff um there was freely publishing with their alien role-playing game and the latest one then it's released for it the clone marines operation manual which is literally a work of art as a game book the artwork is absolutely fantastic. I mean, just let's skim through. Hang on, Steve, you can see that. Oh, For those who are listening to this, Pete's holding up some <laughs> uh, some awesome uh, some awesome. Uh, yeah, artwork. I mean, that is gorgeous artwork. Yeah, it really does. It just sells. I mean, a picture tells you a thousand words, and that tells you millions. And it's filled with stuff like that. It's really well designed, and it's just the aesthetics of, of it as well. Where it kind of just brings you in that sort of retro futuristic universe that is aliens. Did, did they have it in? Because obviously it was reduced size and stuff. Where, what hall did they have it in this time? Was it? Um, I can't tell you which hall it was. It basically, it was spread across three halls. Essentially, you had one hall dedicated for tickets collection right. so this huge hall and just like just for tickets spaced out and then you had another hall for traders and again that was spread out even though even though then there was still some space left over because like some couldn't attend from abroad or we did not want to risk it and then there's a third hall just for opening game which is like a mass of like you know, tables space spread out and yeah i mean Naturally, the big thing was it. This like we're still in the pandemic. Things crossed we're coming out of it, but yeah, but they had a load of precautions in place. It was very well spread out. It was very spacious. You know, before at the UK Games Expo, where it was like crammed in, you kind of shoving past people to get round, and like it was really claustrophobic at times. This was vastly different. It was very spacious. They kind of literally just spread everything out, like what doubled, widened the corridor, so to speak. Uh, by uh, twofold, um, they reduced the ticket numbers down to prevent crowding. They had, had like the NEC had installed hospital grade filters in their air conditioning system, just kind of a bit of air protection. And if you wanted to go there, you had to wear a mask, and you either had to have uh, be double vaccinated, mm-hmm. or have a lateral flow test, or have uh, a swab test, and all of them had to come back negative. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, they really did add a lot of kind of precautions in place to kind of mitigate the risk. And, yeah, it was just great to be there. I mean, there were instances where you had to take your mask off, such as, like, in one of the eateries. But other than that was you had to put your mask on and walk around. And But other than that, it was fine. It was, there was lots of elbowing people. Like, hey, I've not seen you for two years. I'm like, elbowing people. Literally nicely not shoving them out of the way. <laughs> I saw the geek, oh, and some guy, the geek and Son guys were back there again. Yeah, the, oh yeah, I mean, that, that was dangerous for me because my wife and I are planning to do our, we do our living room and study um, in the autumn <laughs> and we're needing, we're needing a new dining table. <laughs> and I'm thinking... And they've got a new one coming out as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you can, if you can so like to uh, like send us a promo one to uh, showcase, I'll be happy to review it. I feel really guilty because I've got theirs here, and um, we, we went through a big uh, period of using it a lot, and then obviously all the shit with my ex happened and stuff. Yeah. So and then we literally, uh, um, I haven't used it in ages. Now. It's here to set up. It's just covered in boxes and things because I haven't fully done this room up yet. But um, yeah. it, it'll get used at some point in time. But yes. Uh, their their tables are amazing, absolutely yeah, it re- amazing. Yeah, it really is. Like um, the carpentry, it's a work of art. Would be a fair way to describe, to describe it. And the one thing I really like, there's not just like um, creators of the games there. There's all the kind of secondary associated um, developers there. Like one thing was these kind of poker chips that were uh, had these blank poker chips that had been inscribed with different statuses for D and D. So rather than saying, oh, you're blind, oh, you're mute, oh, you know, you're unconscious, it just gives them the token said, right, that's you. You are now mute. You can't speak. And are oh, you exhausted? And that this is a t- tactile reminder of that status rather than having the play to remember that was was all the character that they've also got a status that they need to consider as well. And th- and also it's just the right size of popping a miniature on. So okay. For in-person gaming, it's really, really good. Obviously, online stuff, not really practical. But just like this really neatly done night idea and really, 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 really just... Were really were Fantasy Flight there or anything? Did you have any of the big ones? No, I did not see Fantasy Flight there. I saw Modifius. Yeah. They were there and the, oh, their June Robling game looks fantastic. But really? One of my mates, um, Craig, he does painting for Modifius now. Uh, it's for oh, their, um, he does painting for their, um, oh, fuck, what's it called? Uh, Fallout, their Fallout uh, miniature yeah. series and stuff. So he's doing a lot of a lot of painting for them. Um, so they've got some pretty cool stuff coming out uh, from what I can see. I can imagine, yeah. I mean, uh, I was speaking to one guy that had literally just, during lockdown, had made his own war game literally from the ground up and it was only through like lockdown and having a really good uh, 3d printer that was literally built all the miniatures himself and it's like displaying his creation at the uk uk games expo good on you literally taking four hours just to 3d build 3d print sorry um a squad of troops i i am going to at some point like i've got an idea i've got for a it's basically a 4d sort of uh well i'd say it's 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 a mixture of things it's going to be huge but can also be small it's just basically going to be it can be as big or as small as you want it to be because i've got this thing about games that 
they don't scale well. So you like 40k, yeah. you know, that was started off as a miniature skirmish game, and then when they, want the big, uh, you want, when they wanted it bigger, it's like, oh, it's too big now, and it's got yeah. you've got too many things. Whereas, you know, I want something where it gives you option of having something small or something big, and I have this sort of idea of like incorporating sort of like air and, and space, even, and then you could have sort of like space boards that could, in, th- in fact, interact with the ground boards and stuff, depending, you know, and I've got this like massive idea and all this like lore and background stuff and then it's just like one of these days i'm just going to do it it might cost me a load of money and it'll never sell but i just want to have it just to say I, i've built my own game I've, cre- I've created my own if game. we've got any if we've got any potential investors listening into the to the podcast uh matt geary is available for your calls and any <laughs> yeah. donations give me money any donations are welcome yeah well it's just like i've got we 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 sat there. We we to be honest, like it's the idea, and we had all the thing is like there was there was a few of us like Ben Fee, um, of Geek Pride fame, Marsden, my mate, um, and another mate called Paul Gibson and stuff. We were sort of like throwing ideas around, like and, and like Ben was coming up with games every week and stuff like card amazing card games and things. Really, you know, he had this really cool like bank heist one, which was one, and he had sort of like playable sort of things, and I just had this sort of view of having you know, way in like in um it's fantasy fantasy flight do the uh rune wars sort of kind of lore thing so a lot of their games have this sort of same um sort of kind of background so they tie in with each other um i had the same thing with this one now my game would be called revelations and it's basically the concept is about sort of um actually no, i don't i don't want to ruin it because i might people might steal my idea but it, it's just basically it's got it, it it's got a it's got this sort of kind of like um it, it's going to be like oh, there's all kinds of cool stuff in it I just, I, it's hard to explain so basically there's going to be there was going to be like different types of games that could tie into it and they could all be played and affect the other games so you could have a card game but it could affect the strategy game which could affect the tactical game and stuff. So you could have all these things that basically would tie in with each other. So, you you know, you could play, you know, you don't like the, the, the risk type game of it. So you play the card type game or for, a, you know, this, the collectible card game or the, um, the living card game uh, and that, but, you know, winning that and stuff, there would be rules that could affect the campaign in another part of the game and i was just like things like that where they sort of interact with each other and stuff i was like yeah that would be really cool (laughs) and i've got like all these ideas for different things and stuff and it's like um yeah i just i was just like this is gonna be a great game with with loads of offshoots and it could be it could be massive but unfortunately i don't have the time or inclination to sort of create it all and stuff so i've got some i went through a state a state of like writing out all these really super complicated rules and having things like so i had it where it had to be scaled properly right so infantry would be small you know tanks would be to scale with the infantry so you could put guys on it then you could have like buildings where they could have different levels they could go in uh buildings would be destructible scenery would be destructible then you could get like boards which were ships so the boards that you could be you could get on you could move them around you know uh, you know so they were a player board that you could put stuff on but they interacted as well because they are you know the the scale would be bigger instead of having these sort of you know small things that sort of are meant to represent bigger vehicles and stuff it's like why not have them as like a playing board but then you could in theory move it around sort of to interact with the rest of it and stuff and and all these big ideas like drawings <laughs> and things like that and it's just like so far 
nothing's really come of it and stuff. <laughs> so, one of these days, yeah. one of these days. But to have a passion on it and actually yeah. have an idea is good. And then, you know, if it's something that you're able to revisit, even if it's just little by little, that's something still. Yeah, I think my problem is I get, because, you know, I just get distracted really easy and I'll have one day idea for one thing. And then we went from that sort of kind of grand strategy type game to a tactical game. Then, then it went to like this sort of kind of, it was like an idea for like a dungeon crawler, which was based in the same time and the same thing, but it was basically you had a progenitor race who had, um, who would take specific types of this, what some of the different sort of races that were within the main game and they had to work together to achieve certain things and then those goals could be used to um you know benefit your sort of your your strategy game you were playing and stuff but then there was all the things like well certain these things may be like you know as these races are competing against each other certain times you may want to stab each other in the back and stuff like this so there was all these sort of kind of you know underlying sort of things that i thought i could tie in with it and stuff but i was just like it was getting well too big and well too complicated and i was just like right i'm gonna have to stop for a minute <laughs> i would i would ask though because obviously i know that you are a massive fan of history and anyone who's not seen it, Matt has got a uh, TikTok of history stuff. Um, it's about, say, only about 1% as popular as your TikToks with Boz. The yeah, dog. it's anyway, like 5,000, which is under 5,000 followers, whereas Boz has got 142,000. I, I love the history stuff, though. But then I'd say that you putting together a game like that, I reckon that you are taking a lot of that knowledge, a lot of stuff that you enjoy, and you are incorporating that into your ideas. Well, yeah, that, that's that's it. Like you know, uh, there's my thing is like I don't mind complicated games. One, you know, as much you know, there's certain games I like when they're being simplified. It's like, well, it's simple, it works and stuff. But then there's certain games I'm just like, you know, with proper war games, I'm like, you know, but there's, you know, you you play them online or you play like like certain things, like for example, Panzer General, um, or like you know, uh, Panzer Corps as is the new version of it and stuff. And they have, like, if your guys are, are stay in a certain position for long enough, they entrench themselves and they start sort of kind of defending themselves more because they're they've been there for longer, so they entrench themselves. It's just like that doesn't, you don't get that in these sort of games and stuff, you know, where units are staying put, you know, they're going to sort of build def- themselves defenses and things. And it's like, well, that could be incorporated. And then it's like, you know, well, buildings in these all these games you can shoot at the building you can't really sort of get rid of the building and stuff so why not why can't you get rid of the building and stuff and then how would that affect things and you know and weather and and all kinds of stuff and i was just sort of like i had weather tables i've got weather tables and all kinds of stuff and my idea was that fine you could make it as simple as you wanted you could have it you know literally just like you know roll a dice this happens or you could add in all these modules you could have weather you could have destructible scenery you could have supply lines you could have the fact that your your units can't go this far away from their supply base without having negative effects on their dice rolls and how they do things and stuff um and it's just like it would be super complicated but you know you would have that option it wouldn't be just like it's this or nothing it's basically right these are things that would be attached into the game itself you know that would they're effectively like modules that you would you'd have a binder of rules and it's like you'd have the basic rules so you can have the intermediate rules or you can have the the advanced rules and stuff instead of just having yeah. one set of rules that sort of work you know so like 40k it's, it's just the old, especially old 40k it was just pretty much like this is hard this is pretty complicated learn it or not whereas you know now they're like they've tried to dumb it down slightly whereas i'm saying well why don't you have options for all three 
you know, instead of having this sort of, uh, this thing where everybody's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't, I doubt it'll happen anytime soon, but maybe in my retirement, <laughs> I'll, I'll finally do it. <laughs> and I'll have a game that'll sit there, but I'll be finally made and I'll be like, yeah, I did this. This is my thing. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there any other sort of, gang, um, like miniatures and stuff any any other yeah there were tons of miniatures there there was night lancers that was a really cool little game board game um yeah the focus seemed to be on board games i mean there was also a rather very rather cool um labyrinth board game oh okay that, that they lost a t- quite a few times at the moment which no bad thing but yeah there's just tons so much good stuff um I'll tell you what else is quite quite popular at the moment which is a uh, games mats they seem to be really like, but not just a like, very different designs of games mats. Some wipeable, some not, both for like um, wargaming or just like you know for role playing games where you say, "All oh, right, I need a I need a city map." Right, okay, there you go, a city map on a game mat. Yeah, I've got, I've got a load of like uh, I backed a Kickstarter which it hasn't come through yet. I mean, a lot, all my Kickstarters are being super delayed at the minute. Oh, Brexit, yeah. but um. Yeah. Uh, I'm I meant to be getting a load of D and D type sort of uh, mats through and stuff. Uh, they're called Infinity Dungeon, and they're like really long, sort of kind of uh, like mats and stuff. Like you know, not that we're going to play live anytime soon, but you know, just in the off chance that you do. But yeah, I've got loads of mats. You know, I love gamer mats; they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, basically, like loads of really good stuff. And let's just say my credit card was traumatized. Yeah, that's why I didn't come on. I'm going through a period of like selling stuff or trying to sell stuff. Um, I've yeah. got a, I got a box, a bunch of a bu- box, a bunch, a bunch of boxes of stuff in there, which I'm trying to sort of kind of sell. But you, and as soon as you start selling, people are like, oh, well, you can get this for this and this. I said, like, yeah, but dude, this is a limited edition version. I'm not just going to give it to you because you, you know of this and oh, i'll give you a fiver and a handful of lint for this mm-hmm. can you send? i keep on getting things can you send this to australia i can't send it to australia but it's going to cost you the packaging all right i'll give you i'll give you 300 quid i was like mate it's going to cost me 150 quid to send it over there in the first place and then that's you know so i'm losing out on a lot of money on this it's like you know I'm, i don't mind sort of reducing prices but i'm not reducing 150 points yeah <laughs> and i get that loads of time like it's mad like all the 40k stuff so many people um you know like the age of sigma i've got two age of sigma armies i'm trying to sell and it's like so many people from australia and new zealand and stuff asking if i can ship it over there and it's like yeah i'm happy to ship it but you're going to have to pay for the postage, which is yeah. going to be insane. And I've sort of kind of looked at it and you're looking like for the weight and the shape of the box, it's about 150 quid. And it's just like, you know, I, and, you know I'm not cutting it down that much. It's just not yeah. worth it. Actually, um, that, what, that, that stood out at UK Games, but there's no Warhammer presence. Okay. Usually, usually Games Workshop have been fairly regular there, but this time there wasn't. Interesting. Was... Um, uh, you remember that uh, Airflix game that we we saw? That wasn't not there. That I did not see that there. Oh, see, because I saw somebody somebody picked up a copy of it there. Um, it was on the uh, it was one of the board gaming groups, and uh, they had this Airflix box. I was like, mine still hasn't come through from the Kickstarter yet. I did not see it there, and I had a really good walk through uh, oh, right, the okay. exhibit stand, but I did not see that there. Uh, uh, must have been. Or it might have been just hiding from me. Yeah, it must Quite have been for sale or something. But somebody got yeah. it, and then I, I I complained. I went, mine still hasn't come through, and then I think the guy. 
I, I just realized the guy who runs the company and stuff, he was just like, uh, did you want the painted one? And I was like, yeah, I want the painted ones. He says, oh, it's com- they're going out next week. And I was like, okay. After after many years. After many years, I get it. I might finally get it. I, yeah, what was it? Three years, four years ago? Three, four years. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking, yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm just used to sort of Kickstarters taking ages these days and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, obviously mad but I've, I, my brother came over for my birthday so we played we played some games uh when he was over uh song of ice and fire cool minis or not uh game is absolutely amazing it's so so good like i am so obsessed with that to the point where i'm getting completely disillusioned with 40k because it's like song of ice and fire it's like a rank and flank type game it's 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 pretty pretty simple and miniatures are amazing and it's just such a good game and you know i'm just like why have i never played this before and it's alternate actions as well so you basically you go the other person goes and then there's cards and things and it's just like it just feels so much better than sort of you know moving everything getting half your army shot off the board have you played infinity at all yes yeah marston my mate marston um gave us a there's i think there's a stream of it we we basically went on one wednesday night he showed us how to play yeah. it and that's a pretty good game as well and, yeah, and what I like, i've been looking into it and i once kind of picked it up like there's a box set yeah. of figures but there didn't seem to be any kind of description of what each figure was so i had no clue what i had but they they don't ha- they have like cards and stuff, don't they? Um, I I wasn't given any cards. But apparently there's there's a good there's a good um, there's a good sort of like app for it and stuff. Like I didn't know what was going on. Like my mate John um, Marsden he sort of kind of went through it, and it's basically you have small squads, and yeah. you instead of having like if you move another person if they can see you they can yes. react to you yes so you can audit you can always shoot at somebody and stuff so it's not like you having the weight so it's, it's basically very, alter- yeah cover becomes critical yeah exactly yeah and that's what we find and it's also good that you've got action points and you yeah. don't have to spend them all on all of your guys like i did a thing where i had a couple of key units i put them into cover and then i had some close combat guys and i used a lot of the actions just to move them up the field and the other guys to stay put and they would there you know react if needs be uh to sort of kind of encroach and things and yeah i i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was really good um it, i like the look of it i mean i like the design of it it's very skirmish based rather than mass combat which yeah, is what 40k yeah. case but also got a really cool um role-playing game out based on the setting oh, okay and that sounds incredibly good. I mean, I've had to flick through it on my Diffius stand, and yeah, that I really want to play that because I like sci-fi futuristic settings that have really kind of gone into the, you know, the cyberpunk, the biopunk elements, the biomedications, and just looked at the different aspects of this would have on the on the, the various characters. So yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that one. One thing as well that was there was. Usually, like, there are quite a few um, guests at the um, UK Games Expo, but this time it the big one was um, Sir Ian Livingston. Okay, yeah, um, he was there, but really didn't really have anyone else other than probably uh, John Robertson. Okay, who we who we all remember. Mr. Darkroom himself. Yeah. And it's quite disconcerting when every now and then you'd hear over the tannoy the, uh, of the NEC, you die, you die, you die. <laughs> he was funny, man. He was, he was, yeah. he was, oh. he was a good guest. Yeah. Well, getting back, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. got to get we'll, him we'll on. Have, we'll have to air pester Laura to, to get him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Need to get Laura back on. She, you know, she's, definitely. She's not been on in ages. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm. I'm going through a stage now where I'm just trying to get rid of some stuff because it's just like, it's gotten the point now, especially with my 40k things. It's like, I've got so much, I don't need it. It's like the other day I was out and I left, I stupidly left my man cave door open and my dog panicked because I was gone for a long time. So he charged into the room and decided to destroy some of my maid nights. And I was just, you know, I came back and I went, they're destroyed. I'm not bothered. You know, I never use them. The, the only one that annoyed me was because one of the ones was painted. I'd actually painted it for once, you know, and it was painted and it had transfers on it. And I was just like, and he fucking destroyed that, didn't he? Um, but the other ones, I was just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm getting to the point where I'm just buying shit for buying shit's purpose. And yeah. I'm just not sort of, I just like, I need to get rid of some of this stuff and just like play some of the stuff I have. And, you know, so I'm just going right i'm restraining myself as much as i got sort of lots of kickstarters outstanding i haven't backed anything in a lot in a while so i'm just sort of gonna gonna get rid of some of the stuff play some things i want to play and uh you know not just go ooh shiny thing let's get it because <laughs> oh one more thing about uk gaming school it has been confirmed for next year all right okay yeah it's gonna be if just give me a second while i quickly look at my phone to tell me it is going to be on the um, 3rd of June to the 5th of June. Oh, okay. Oh, right. so, bi- okay. so basically only 11 months wait, not 12. Right, okay. I'll uh, try and prepare my uh, my wallet for that then, I guess. Um, <laughs> see how it is. You know, if my house hasn't bankrupted me by then, then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. Um, anything else for anything else before we, we sign cool. off? Oh, Very... I... go, on. go on, Pete. Um, I've watched um, the Forever, the Forever Purge, the fifth film in the Purge franchise, and it's incredibly good. Okay, yeah, really. Basically, if you like political horror, you will love this because it being it continues to build upon the bit the core premise that the first Purge film did, and like just continue expanded out and just again, it's incredibly. Was it prescient, but of its time? Like he looks into uh, immigration and racism, and given what's happening in America, very very telling of its time. And also watched um, Black Widow, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I've not seen that yet. Uh, I want to watch it. That's obviously we need to talk about that because she's suing. She's suing yeah. Disney at the minute, it's... which I'm not sure if that's a smart move or not. I appreciate right. her character's dead, but you know, uh, it's... well, the character, you know, if. For the fans, it would feel disingenuous for the character to come back. Now, admittedly, superheroes never die, but there had to be a cost for them to get the that soul stone. I know, but you've got the uh, whole thing with the um, with the multiverse and everything coming back. Yeah. That you know, you, you you know, she could arguably be back in different guises and stuff. But if she I goes could... and sues Disney, uh, it's like, yeah, this, you're not coming she's back. Not, I would, based on Black Widow. Thus, spot on this, I would say Scarlett Johansson is not returning. Right, okay. Um, I'm not going to say any more of this. Basically, I think Scarlett Johansson, now this is purely my own perceptions rather than insider knowledge, basically. Scarlett Johansson has finished her contract, her time with Marvel, and she is objecting to the fact that 
um, the lack of exclusivity of the theatre and cinema release has meant that she has made a distinct loss in yeah. according to her contract and she's demanding uh, suitable compensation, which is, to be fair, reasonable. Um, Who else is doing it? I don't know, somebody else is suing Emily Blunt, I think. Yeah. No, no, Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. Emma Stone, that's it. Yeah. Deville film. Yeah. But also, not so much Disney related, Gerard Butler is now doing it as well for Olympus Has Fallen. Really? Uh, this is just, yeah, I know, I was shocked as well. Um, what? Why, why not? That I film don't was understand. 10 years ago. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I reckon, I reckon you're going to see a few of these now. We're going to see yeah. a few of these people that go, Olympus Has Fallen well, was quite money? good. Yeah, Olympus Volume was quite good. It was fun. It wasn't. I mean, yeah. I like the fact that essentially the White House has a has a um, defense grid. Like, so you get these pop up guns. Like, where did they come? I don't think they've ever stopped in the 16th century. And it's just like, what? But it was fun. It's like just the whole attack on the White House uh, was just brilliantly done. I um I got to watch uh, and and did a quick review for um Jungle Cruise and it's it's really good. Yeah. I I okay. really I really enjoyed it. It's it you know it's it's like it, it's got that sort of kind of like Indiana Jones meets Jumanji meets sort of um car- parts of the Caribbean feel to okay. it. Um, but there's some proper like belly laughs in there and stuff, and there's like loads of puns, and they're just ridiculous, but it's hilarious. And Jack Whitehall, have you ever watched the stuff with Jack Whitehall and his dad? Jack Whitehall basically plays oh, yeah. his dad, and it's hilarious because he's got the same suit, you know, the white suit and the white hat and stuff, and it's just brilliant, man, because he's just trying to be his dad, I think, and it's just brilliant. And I just like, I just like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. I did it because nobody else in the group was going to review it, and I was like, I'll just watch it and review it. And I watched it, and I went, "Yeah, it's kind of mindless, but it's sometimes it's, that's what you want. It's super enjoyable. I was yeah, just sitting yeah. there and I laughed, and I find myself like laughing out loud. And it was just sort of like quite sort of yeah, I, I really good, really good family film. Um, and you know, I really enjoyed. The Rock was really good. Emily Blunt was really good. Jack Whitehall was really good. You know, the whole thing, just enjoyable film. Yeah. Oh, and one film I like to add. I watched the Space Jam um, sequel film, and oh god, don't. Just don't. <laughs> I have had bowel surgery that was more fun wow. than watching Space Jam. Wow. Really, and I'm not kidding, I have. And trust oh. me, that surgery was a far more pleasant experience than watching Space Jam, which was basically uh, one and a half hours plus of, um, this is the property we have, but Warner Brothers, who would like to make a film about it? Because literally, they had so much cameos or love marketing advertisements for all, all the other property. And how many times I saw that bloody Warner Brothers logo thrusting towards the screen at me. It's like, no, I do. Yes, I know what your Warner Brothers film. I do not need to see it every five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. Just don't. Really, just don't. <laughs> it was a shameless, vacuous, shallow affair I've ever watched. And I watched a lot of shit. <laughs> Sorry, I, know, I know, I know. It's been a few weeks out, but um, I take it you've both seen the whole series of Loki. Yep, yep. yep. Yes, I have. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Mostly enjoyed it. What oh. What was the What was the not mostly then? The 
the conclusion didn't feel as satisfying as it should have. It just felt... But they're tying it in. Und- they're tying it in with a sort of greater sort of thing, aren't they? With the multiverse. Yes, and what's yes, the name of the, What's are. the name of the... Um... Ma- multiverse of Madness. Yeah, that's it. Yes. They are tying it in, but the story did not end on a suitably... It wasn't built up. There wasn't enough pay. They were basically sitting around for 15 minutes talking. Mm. And... Like it kind of it, it felt as if they'd been built up this big reveal, and the reveal was, huh, okay, yeah, yes. It just, I mean, I know they kind of set things up, but there still needs to feel some payoff for the first yeah, six I episodes. It could have done. Go on. No, I was just going to say that one bit I really did enjoy it, and obviously, it's like because some people obviously do their digging afterwards. The the point when. Um, Jonathan Majors, who is brilliant as he who remains, Kane the Conqueror, Ramata, basically the next big bad of the MCU. Uh, there's this bit when he just goes, huh, that was weird. From this point, I don't know what, what happens. If you look at the timestamp of that, that is the exact same time as when Wanda Maximoff turns into the Scarlet Witch in WandaVision. Yeah, right. That exact second is when she becomes full-blown Scarlet Witch. Yeah. The thing for me was, it never adequately explained why that point was so significant. Mm. I and again, think that just felt the, strange. It will be, but it's I can, I can accept the laying the seeds for the future franchise, but equally, just dropping that in and making a big point of it, but not explaining, again, just felt really odd and just frustrating for me. Um, and also, it could have been done about the same story in about five episodes. It felt padded out at times. Mm, yeah. I, um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Well, I felt it had some very good Doctor Who vibes, especially like when you got to the mid part of the series. There's yeah. a whole like, adventuring, like, going between time and space, going between different planets... And it, it really did feel like, you know, they could easily just say, like, swap the title over and you'd be like, yeah, this is a Doctor Who episode for an hour. You know, that's Yeah, but fun. is that a good thing when you want to watch a lucky series at Doctor Who? Well, yeah, I don't know. I think I mean, cause the problem is now with TV shows, it's very hard to find anything that is wholly original. But when I saw the, especially like episode three, the Lamentis episode, I like that feeling because it was like, you know, we've had one episode where Loki's been pulled out of the timeline. He's now adjusting to basically being this variant. And then episode two was like, you know, he's trying to prove his worth. He's trying to now integrate into this new life that he's in. And then episode three was just like, fuck it, you know, let's just go on an alien planet. Lots of running. And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't it reminded like me of when I liked Doctor Who. It reminded yeah. me when Doctor Who was actually a good show. And, um, I, I know it sounds horrible because Jodie Whittaker is brilliant in Doctor Who, but she has been given really bad material, and have Chris seen, Signal is an awful writer. Yeah, have you seen I'm, I'm that um, Jay Michaelsinski has said, I'll do it? Yes, And the entire internet has just gone, yes, please. <laughs> and actually, going back five years to 2016, uh, 1st of April, I remember a certain Bruce Campbell saying, hey, the new Doctor's coming to America. And I thought that would be ace. If that <laughs> happened, it'd be Bruce Campbell. Bruce as Campbell doctor. as a doctor. Wow, that would be. But it'd be it'd be different. I mean, you need 
a different doctor and literally not just more of the same, not just riffing on a previous um, generation doctor. You need someone who can play a completely different character. And I think Bruce Campbell has the gravitas and the charisma to pull off that level of audacity. To to me, I think what they need to do with Doctor Who, they need to just go, okay, we're going to do a proper new direction. Going wrong, Stephen Moffat, he was a lifelong Doctor Who fan. He absolutely loved the craft. He he really enjoyed, he really knew it inside out. Chris Chibnall, unfortunately, he just, I don't think he had the heart in it for Doctor Who. He was kind of like, they just said, right, we need someone who knows something with Doctor Who. Someone who's probably done a couple of episodes. And he probably just went, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm sure I can get around. Don't get me wrong, Chris Chibnall is a fantastic writer. But he doesn't write good. His Doctor episodes weren't even that good to begin with. So for him to be made head writer, I think was quite disappointing. Now, if J. Michael Stravinsky was to um, be given yeah, the part, that would that up, would be groundbreaking that would if he be a did game that. But again, but the big game. thing is, is uh, Jim Messer is American, and and basically, well. Because uh, Doctor Who is a very British show, um, the BBC are disinclined to lose that British voice of the writers. Mm. So again, that but I mean I, that I think is a blinkered approach by the BBC. I think they should look at other talent, and Jim well, I think will be perfect in that role. I think if you look at the, um, especially like the, uh, you know, not so much the writers, but they have had. Um, American directors as well for Doctor Who over the last few mm. years, and I think having that different that different kind of style, that different look. Um, was it Rachel Talalay? She's done a uh, quite a few episodes of Doctor Who in the last few years, and her episodes are spectacular. She really does know her sci-fi and her fiction and her fantasy. So I don't know. I reckon you could go a little bit American, but yeah. I think as long as you're supporting writers, are still helping you keep the British theme, still helping you keep it you know in that certain style that can work but i just i really want dot two now just to just to have a change i just want it to sort of like lose the shadow that it's had for the last few years and i just want it to go yeah. right let's the show is about reinvention reinvent it give us something yeah. different i'd um, like to see a big reboot on doctor who basically start from completely fresh because you've got about 50 plus years of legacy in which to incorporate, and that is going to be nigh on impossible. Because to be fair, the whole meta plot of the Doctor and Doctor Who is insanely bonkersly contrived and nefarious. It's, you you can figure it out if you kind of stand back a bit and squint and go, yeah, that sort of makes sense. But when you start looking into detail and thinking, no, did you watch? No. Did you watch series twelve? the most recent I, series. I'm going to be completely honest here. I say the last time I watched The Doctor was around the seventh generation. I then watched the, the <laughs> first few episodes of The New Who. Um, was it David Tennant or Matt? Christopher Eccleston. Thank you. No, 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 no. The, on one. One after Christopher Eccleston. Oh, the, David Tennant was after Christopher Yeah, David Tennant. I watched the first few episodes of David Tennant and that storyline and... It didn't grab me. I mean, the thing with Doctor Who, the TARDIS is a magic doorway to time and space. It can go anywhere, anywhere, literally anything. And 
the first episode of this new series of Doctor Who was very much a statement of intent. Like, this is what we are going to do. This is what we the, the prove to the viewers that you know we are you know we are here to stay, and they set it in modern day Britain, London, and that felt a massive lack of ambition. Why didn't set Why didn't send it like you know, three hundred fifty million years in the future in Alpha Centauri? Why not like six hundred years in in the past in Lithuania? What Why set it here now in London when? That's the whole point. The whole bunch of doctors, they can yeah. go anywhere. Unfortunately, there is a very good reason for that. It saves them money. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, but that... again, but the, the, the other ways to save money, I mean, use that same quote they used in every other episode of Doctor Who back in the day. I, yeah. I, I, I don't like, I have zero interest in Doctor Who, I'm afraid. Like, I, I used to watch uh, the Sylvester McCoy ones when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and they were quite dark, to be fair. Like, I remember them being pretty dark um or yeah. one, one especially the one with the cats uh was, was... Oh, oh oh yes um uh, joe the name of it always escapes me yeah but i love it because it's just that i just remember there just being the, a dead the, cat it's like I... the, the cat curse isn't it yeah because they they all start getting like the like the cat's eyes yeah and, um, and there's a dead cat in it as well i think there's yeah. an, i just remember that one quite specifically um so like i i would watch it when i was a kid but for me, it was always a bit too kitsch and a bit too sort of kind of, yeah. I don't know, a bit like too low budget. And I was just like, I've, I'm just not yeah, in, just that interested was, in this. That was when, because um, that was when they were still deciding whether or not to carry on Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and then when the last, when they done the last season of Sylvester McCoy's series, apparently they cut the, they cut from what was going to be five stories down to four. They then slashed the budget by about thirty percent because I think at the time it was Michael Grade, and he just hated. Yes, Dr. he hated Doctor Who. He he just wanted it gone. He wanted it out just as soon as possible. So he did everything he could, and you know, fair play to the writers on Who. They really just made what they could, and you know, what was it the Curse of Fenric, the um, yes. the one that's like when, when Ace goes back to this uh, place that traumatized her when she was a kid. Yes. I love that story. That is that just probably modern. that is probably one of the best Doctor Who stories ever. And it was one of them, I think that was a good example of, you know, okay, we, we ain't really got much of a budget, but we can still tell a damn good story. Yes. And and it just it just works on so many levels. Even Absolutely. the uh, what was it? Even like the last episode I think I keep going, going back thinking it's called Battlefield, but I don't Battlefield, think it yeah. Is. It is that yeah. That was really, really well done. That was kind of playing with the Arthurian myth as well. And and it's like, it was a I've spoken to Sylvester McCoy a, a couple of years ago at Sci-Fi Weekend up and he said like he said like the, the last season of his uh, Doctor Who was very dark. They really took it in a very dark tone. And there's this one line which I think um it, it's going about the stench of death. It's like you know, I don't so there's death here, there's stench of death, and how do you know? And he kind of points at a nuclear missile. And there really was a dark tone to this doctor. Someone who like, went from being like um, the happy-go-lucky genius yeah, to was... being a very Markavian, like a, ch- a chess master playing with his pieces, where his pieces were the other lives within of his companions. But I remember his first episode, because um, his first episode was when he had to play Colin Baker for the first yes. two minutes with that. Terrible week. With that wig. But, um, 
was it Time and the Rani? That was the, his first I episode. I thought it was Pleasure Towers, but I might be wrong. So I'm sure it was Time and the Rani, because um, it's when he gets picked up, obviously, you see, like, literally, he's face for a second with the blonde wig, and he regenerates, and then he wakes up in his new, obviously, regenerative state as the Sylvester McCoy Doctor. And I do remember watching that episode, and he's he's a very energetic, he's very jumpy, he's very mm. almost like excitable. But then, yeah, like you say, in that last series, he he becomes very mean, very manipulative. He does yeah. have some very dark tendencies, and even that, even like going back to the Curse of Fenric as well, how he pushes Ace, how he really yeah. does almost like fuck her mind up, basically to you know for his own means, for his own enjoyment, almost. It's it's a horrible well, thing to watch. Yeah, but it's, it's not some... a bit of an enjoyment because he's doing it because no. he knows it's best for her. But, no, but you can see he's, he's, but that's what he wants. Yeah, but that's what he's he's kind of but he is enjoying it in the same way. Not not probably like overly enjoying it, but it's like he knows that he has that power. And I think over time, when you've got this character who you know, if you look at the Tom Baker version of him, he was very jovial, very like very clown like. Uh, Peter Davison one was very you know. Like very like, easy going, and then you got the Sylvester McCoy one. Who this was, I think, one of the first Doctors that did evolve during yes. his time. And I think, I think it is partly because of this whole thing with the uncertainty over the show, um, the budget cuts, the you know the complete lack of faith from the BBC, dwindling figures on the on the viewership, and they just went right. We need to do some kind of reinvention. And they just went, well, let's just let's just make him, uh, you know, almost like an anti-hero. We, you know, he's, he has been a very heroic character from that point. But then when you kind of take back, you know, some of his like more more jokey side, some of his more um, like laid back side, and even the was it the um, remembrance of the Daleks as well? Yes. He because he's because he's like he's proper like tactically thinking like you know where he used to be like you know. I do my best to save people. In that, he's just literally thinking, right? Well, how do I now destroy the Daleks? But and it was, and what was also a standout about the um, Sylvester McCoy was, it's like Ace was incredibly different to all the previous companions, especially the female. Where before they were running away and, and screaming. And like, I mean, mm. remember like oh, Bonnie yeah. Tyler? It's like she went scream, scream, scream. Bonnie Tyler. Ace, was it Bonnie Tyler? Bonnie Langford. Lang- 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it's getting late. But yeah, basically, just wanted to add that. Ace um, was fantastic. I mean, she, she, yeah, with her like you know, explosives and like bazookas and like a baseball bat. And it's like, what? what oh did yeah, you when she's literally whacking the shit out of the Dalek. That was yeah, it's great. <laughs> but you had oh, a baseball bat in the eye stop. <laughs> okay, that works. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that was and that was before. You know, they had this um, this thing on their body that basically stops you from even touching them. You know, yeah. Because uh, that they just um, that was one thing I think when Doctor Who came back, they really did go right. Okay, so why were the Daleks so many in the first place? Well, you went near them, you die. And then they went right. Well, you know, it's out of case and it's so hot that you touch it, you you know, you burst into flames. You know, you go near it, sucker, it will literally just suck your face off completely. Um, you know, and it's just and I had to, and I, I hate when I do this, but I do kind of enjoy it at the same time. When someone goes, well, up until that episode in 2005, the Daleks never went upstairs. I went, actually, 
in Remembrance yeah. of the Daleks. They did go they up did. the stairs. They did yeah. the same thing. Uh, it was like it was like I had that kind of moral victory, but at the same time, it's like, why the fuck did I say that? I'm just going to probably now get the piss back at me for saying it in the first place. <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> right. Guilty. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it on there. Um, yeah. Oh, it's been a good chat. It's been good to have sort of like just a regular sort of chat about re- regular things and stuff. Um, as much as I love having the guests on and stuff, it's just good to have sort of uh, a good old chinwag about random stuff. So, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, thanks everybody for uh, listening. For if, you, if you've been watching, much appreciated. Um, if you're listening to this um afterwards then cheers um for me i've been matt geary with me tonight has been john joe cosgrove see you all later and peter ray allison good night everyone night